Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. Uh, we're about to jump into the New Testament book of Matthew, but before we do, guys, you got do your like um, your Bible reading habits like change in the summer? You know, it's it's nice outside, vacations, all that stuff. Like, what well, what do you guys run into in the summer? When I'm traveling, I listen to the Bible Savvy Podcast every Monday. You do? It helps me with insightful thoughts and encouragement for reading, understanding, and applying God's Word to my life. What about enjoying? I never listen. Well, that's not true. I was going to say I never listen to the Bible Savvy Podcast, but obviously I listen to it while it's being created, and we do listen to it to, to make sure that it sounds right after we record it. But uh, that's a good question because things do kind of change in the summer. And I'm, I'm like a creature of habit. So every morning I wake up, uh, I get my cup of coffee, I go to the same place in my house, I have my, the journal I write in, I have my Bible, I have the way I pray. Like I have a, a certain rhythm to the way I do things. And then when I'm on vacation, it totally messes that up. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is a really good question. Clayton. Yeah, I think I, I too am a creature of habit, and so there, there are two anchors for me that are pretty consistent through the year, no matter what what changes. In the morning, I usually listen to the audio Bible, so uh, I, I kind of am just kind of always reading through the Bible and listening to it, you know, in, in big chunks. And then in the evening, Michelle and I do Bible Savvy together, and so uh, those two things typically always happen, uh, but you're right, when vacation happens, uh, usually that morning routine gets thrown off because that... that you know, it's just not normal. Um, but usually the evening e- evening works out because we've got kids. And so no matter what we want to do in the evening on vacation, like we're back early enough to do those things. Um, but to me, the key is when you get back from vacation, like how long does it take you to get back into the rhythm? Uh, that is always critical for me where it's like, I've got, I really got to say, no, this Monday when I, when I get back, like I can't be, I can't be lazy about that, you know? Good yeah. thing the Bible Savvy podcast drops every Monday. There you go. True. Like it's Clayton back in the rhythm. It's very true. I wonder how much of how people handle uh, like the summer months or their vacation has to do with uh, what their normal routine is like. So, so for so for example, uh, I f- I started to observe that in terms of how people dress when they come to church on the weekends has a lot to do with how they have to dress all week long for work. So people that don't dr- don't have to dress up for work tend to dress up for church and people that have to dress up all week for work tend to come to church more casually they just flip it okay. there's something in their mind that says church is different than my work week and so they dress differently for it um i i wonder if cuz i always hear people say things like if they're going on vacation to the beach they're like oh i've got four good books i'm going to read and i always think to myself holy cow I do zero reading when I'm on vacation, uh-huh. like very much on purpose because, and it's probably because a lot of my work is reading, studying, teaching. And so that's the last thing I want to do when I'm on vacation. But for some people that say, I have to fight, like in my normal routine, I have to fight for my Bible study time. I have to fight for reading time. They go on vacation and they're like, oh my gosh, I have all of this time. Mm-hmm. Like it always blows my mind when people will say like, uh, even with the Bible Savvy podcast, they'll say like, yeah, I was on this long road trip and I listened to, you know, 14 episodes of the Bible Savvy podcast. I'm like, what? I would, I would never in my life listen to 14 episodes of this in a row. So uh, I wonder if that has something to do with how people do that. Nikki, what's, what's your routine? 
Um, well, I'd say in the summer, when, when the weather starts to get nice, I'm out earlier in the morning and just, I, I walk my, my dog a little longer. So, um, that's instead of sitting down and having a cup of coffee and reading, uh, whatever the passage is for that day, I'll normally listen to it while we're going on a walk. So that's kind of how my routine, my routine changes in, uh, in the summer. And I think with vacation, same thing, like, I, I'm not good with keeping on pace with reading while I'm away. Um, it's more so like I want to get out there and be active and doing, and you're normally with, I don't know, I'm with family or friends, and it's like, well, you know, and then, yeah, and then getting back into the habit is is hard. So hopefully, if I go on any vacations this summer, we're going to stick with it. <laughs> stick with what? Reading. Reading what? Or listening to the Bible Savvy. Oh, Podcast and reading schedule. This is like a long conversation on like shaming people and listening to our podcast every Monday. <laughs> if you go on vacation and you don't listen to this podcast, you're a bad Christian. <laughs> you can you can you can miss your Bible reading, but don't miss the podcast. That's, that's how it's coming across. Oh man, I didn't think that, but I guess that's the way it could come across. I do do I do do. Oh, oh <laughs> darn it! What kind of sound effect goes with that? I don't know. Let's see. Nope, that's not, not good that for that, one. what I just did. We need like a disappointed sound effect on this thing. Uh, I do find myself going on more prayer walks yep. during the summer. So if you've never tried that, everybody, here's how simple this is. You go for a walk <laughs> and you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. And then just go for a walk and see what happens. It's a, it's a good time. There you go. All right. Well, guys, what, uh, Eric, you're our comma guy. You're walking us through the method today. So tell us what passage we're looking at. We are Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. Uh, this is a parable. Um, and so I'm just going to go ahead and have Clayton read this, and then we will talk a little bit about how parables function, and then we'll talk about the parable. All right. So Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to to give the one who was hired last the same I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. All right, so let's talk about how parables function for just a moment, and then we will jump into our discussion. One of the nice things about parables 
is that they they kind of stand alone, but also it is all it is sometimes helpful to look at what's coming before or after a parable in the gospels because sometimes the way the gospel writer fits in the parables into the way they they put their gospel together um it helps you understand why the parable is being told or it might give you some kind of clue in in decoding the parable uh in this case we can we can pretty much treat it as a standalone there's there's something being communicated here and we don't really have to look a lot at the literary context in terms of what's coming before it or what's coming after it a few reminders on how parables function parables are essentially analogies so jesus is teaching us something about the kingdom of heaven or something about god as father and he is using an analogy to everyday things so that we can so that we can understand it a little bit better. So when you're reading a parable, just remember that it is an analogy, one analogy, one big point that you're looking for and you're you're looking for uh one thing being compared to the other and then quite often in parables also there is some kind of unexpected twist. And if you can find the unexpected twist and you focus on that, it will help you get to the bottom of what the parable is trying to communicate. Not always 100% of the time the case, but quite often, and it happens in this parable, that the twist is actually your key to the point of the parable. Um, So as we are reading the parable, I'll start with you, Nikki, since Clayton just read, what jumps out to you about this parable? Um, Well, I think... What's interesting when you said it's, uh, you know, an uh, analogy or an illustration used from an everyday example. I mean, we read this and we go, well, why is he talking about a vineyard? You know, like, it's because a lot of people, that's what they did. You know what I mean? They owned land. They they worked it. That's how they, uh, that's how they, they would sell the crops to get money. That's how they would eat. Um, and then a lot of people just work those fields. And so um, it is a very common example that Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to use this illustration that's going to um, kind of get everybody's attention. It's going to make sense to them. And so it's it's kind of the same thing. And like, you know, Pastor Clayton, Pastor Jim, right? They're in the middle of teaching a sermon and they'll bring up an illustration or analogy that connects us with everyday life. And I think that's uh, that's something here that Jesus did really well when he communicated to people. When we're doing observations, which is what we're doing right now, comma method, C-O-M-M-A, C is context, O is observations, and let's remind everybody of the treats, right? Remember, this is the from the Bible Savvy books. When you're making observations, you're looking for treats in the text, uh, and the T-R-T-S is what? T is for theme. Mm-hmm. R is for repeating words. Right? T is for truths about God. And S is something striking. Man, that was really good how you guys volleyed that back and uh-huh. forth. There you go. What, are, what is a truth about God that we see in this parable? Oh, that uh, he's generous. Yeah. Yeah, he just outright says he's generous. I, I noticed that he is... Uh, he, he's, he feels both fair and unfair at the same time. Like, I, I was trying to... I, I was asking myself the question, like, do, does this feel like Jesus is being gracious, you know, giving things that aren't deserved? Or does it feel like he's being just, you know, where it's like you get exactly what you deserved? And it feels like he's kind of doing both. He's saying, I agreed to something with you, that this is what I'd give you for this work. And he does it. He doesn't go back on his word. He, he's perfectly fair. And then at the same time, it feels completely unfair because he's 
he's giving something that people don't seem to deserve that he agreed with them about, but it was just a different deal. And so there, there's that this tension of like, is he a, is he like strict letter of the law, or is he just above and beyond, uh, you know, giving? And it's it's a bit of both. Yeah. So you may not, uh, for those of you listening, you may not be familiar with what a denarius is. So a denarius is uh, about the equivalent of one day's wage for a day laborer. So for for the the landowner to go out and say, if you come work my land for a day, I'll pay you a denarius. Uh, that would have made total sense to everybody. And just imagine this, okay? So, so early in the morning, you agree to work the whole day for a denarius. And then as the day goes on, right, as this parable is being told, uh, at noon, some more workers come. And at three in the afternoon, more workers come, okay? And at the end of the day, you're all lined up for your paycheck, but you're lined up in reverse order. So the people that worked, that started working later in the day, they're first in line. And the people that, that worked the full day that started in the morning, they're at the end of the line. And just imagine, you put yourself in this story. You're standing in the back of the line. And you know that you agreed to work for a denarius. So you're in line expecting to get paid a denarius. But you start noticing, oh, wait a minute, the dude that started working at 5 p.m., he got a denarius. And you, you immediately, right, you're thinking to yourself, well, what would be fair then? Yeah, I worked way longer than that guy, so maybe I'm getting more than a denarius. But at no point did the landowner say you're getting more than a denarius. It's all in your own head, right? So you can, and that I think is where the twist of this story is, is one, they're lined up in reverse order, which is interesting. Um, and the fact that the the... All of them work different amounts of time, but get paid the same is the twist that forces you to wrestle with this. Is God being unfair? And you, you put, uh, you, you added a, uh, you, an observation in there that's really, I think, insightful. You said it was all in the person's head. Like they're, they're, the standard that they were assuming they would get paid by was completely made up by them. Now, it, there's some reasonableness to it. Like it, it makes sense that you would think that. But no one ever said it, and so there. Like some of the difference is, we we sort of make up stories sometimes about. Well, this is what I deserve. This is how God ought to treat me. This is the way the world ought to work. This is what would you know feel you know fair. And we compare to other people, and then in our own head tell a different story than the reality that's out there. That's a that's a really like common thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and look if you look to at verse four when he goes back at. About nine in the in the morning, he went out and saw more people standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he says, "Go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay pay you whatever is right." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's his, it's his decision of what he's going to pay them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this 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 rings so true as a, like a human experience because I have three children, and so fairness is massively important when you are an elementary age child. Um. Almost every day, something like this happens. Um, it just yesterday, there was a. We, we often, you know, we we bribe a little. You know, you got to make a deal. You say you're gonna, you can have a treat. You ask for a treat, but you got to clean one room in the house. So there's, you know, three or four places that the kids play. So they got to clean one up to to do it. So this is normal for them, and and you know, they're they're a spread of ages. So you've got you know a ten year old, a seven year old, and a four year old, and 
the reality is what they're capable of really pulling off when cleaning a room is very different over the course of those ages. And so when the four-year-old manages to contribute some, it always is less than the 10-year-old did. And so that means that the older kids very often are saying, but he didn't, you know, but, but I, I did all the, you know, I, but it's his room and he only, and you, and so all the time, and it, no, they knew going in, you clean a room, you get a treat. And the fact that we, you know, approach different for different levels just feels so unfair, even though no one got cheated out of something that was agreed to them. It's so like core human nature to, to do that. I've done something similar with my kids, but my motivation wasn't as pure as yours. Mine was, <laughs> <laughs> mine was just to mess with my kids a little bit, but honestly, to teach the same lesson of this parable. So there have been times where my kids have just assumed that I wouldn't give them something. And so instead of just asking me for it, they'll say something like, Dad, if I cut the grass, will you give me $15? Uh... Sure. I probably would have given you the $15 if you'd have just asked me for it. But since you offered to cut the grass, okay, now I have the grass cut too, right? So the kid would cut the grass, I give him $15. Another kid, dad, can I have 15 bucks? Sure. Here's 15 bucks. And the kid that just cuts the grass is going to say what? That's That's not fair. It has nothing to do with fairness, right? That is, I think that is... uh, Part of what this parable is getting at is we so desperately want to tell God how to be fair. God is not fair the way we define fair. What we learn from this parable is God is generous. Jesus in this parable is telling us something about the nature of God the Father. He is just. Nobody gets an unjust payment. Nobody does. The people that agreed to work for a denarius, they get a denarius. God chooses, the the landowner in this parable chooses to be generous with the other workers. At no point is the landowner unfair, purely just. So God is always just and generous, but not fair the way that we tend to think about fair. Um, And that is is one of the the twists going on in this parable. What else else jumps out about this parable to you guys? I think... Reading through Matthew, you see a couple different groups of people. So I'm trying to think of, you know, the original audience, they hear this story. Who, who are they thinking are these different workers? And on the one hand, you've got people that are um, religious leaders. They're very devout. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're, you know, doing all the right things, you know, so to speak. And they're, they're the people that have been criticizing Jesus as we've read through the gospel. And they, they keep coming at him saying, why are you letting all these sinners tax collectors, all of these people that are not real good people, and there's, there's good reason to think that they shouldn't be close to you if you're a, you're a religious teacher, but you're welcoming them in, hanging out with them, and treating them as if they were you know, just as you know, welcome here as, as we are. And, and so to, to see that contrast of the person who thinks, but I did all the right things, so I ought to have some privilege here. I ought to get some deference here. Um, and, and then the person who's like, I... <laughs> I lived my life like a mess for my entire life, and all it took was saying, Jesus, I'm done with that. I need you. And you get the same thing as the person who, you know, kept all the rules. Yeah, this that, uh, so the last will be first and the first will be last. You know, the religious leaders are thinking, hey, we're in the, we're in the prime seat. We've got, you know, front row seats to our entrance into the kingdom. 
And then here come the sinners and the tax collectors and they're 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 right in they're in front of the line, everybody else is in the back. That's right. And if we remember that Matthew is a distinctly Jewish gospel, then you would have the Jewish leaders, the teachers of the law that are thinking to themselves, we as the Jewish people, we were first. Like this whole story is is through our people, right? And so here we are, and we are first. We deserve more. We've been a part of this story for hundreds of years. Now you're going to tell me that someone can just kind of jump, parachute into this story, and they're going to be treated the same as us? And I think that's what part of what this parable is saying is, yep, yep, that God's invitation goes out to everybody, and if you accept the invitation, you can come on in and experience a generous God. And certainly we would hope that uh, our attitudes would be grateful for as many people as possible that are included instead of having a judgmental attitude of, well, I'm better than them. I've been doing this longer. I've been following you, God, longer than they have. Why are you being, when you, when you say it out loud, it sounds terrible. Why are you being good to them? Shouldn't you be being good to me and not them? And then you get back into that whole fairness conversation. So some, I, I do a, a preaching series on forgiveness, and I use several parables. And this, this parable I use in that series, and, and the, the name of that talk is fairness or forgiveness. Which one do you want God to be? Do you want him to be forgiving or do you want him to be fair, right? And so one of the, one of the things I do to start is I'll, I normally do this series with teenagers, and I'll invite a teenager up on the stage, and I'll have like a massive thing of like Twizzlers. And I will tell the kid, I'll give you like five Twizzlers for every push-up you can do. And so the kid just starts doing push-ups, and I have the crowd counting the push-ups, and it gets kind of fun, and it's loud in the room. And, and then after about a minute of this teenager struggling to do push-ups, I call up another volunteer, and I say, I will give you 100 Twizzlers for every push-up that you can do. And the crowd just gets so mad. Like, this is terribly unfair, right? And so I let this whole thing play out. And both kids, both teenagers, end up leaving with about the same amount of Twizzlers. And then I look at the crowd and I say, was that unfair? And they start yelling at me, yes, it was unfair. And then I kind of step back and I start unpacking it. It's the same thing as this parable. Did I give teenager number one the amount of Twizzlers that he or she agreed for doing push-ups? Yes. Did I give teenager number two the right amount of Twizzlers for what we agreed to? Yes. So what about this was unfair? And the room just kind of goes quiet, and it starts, to, it starts to reveal that our sense of our human sense of fairness is often so erroneous. And the bad thing about that is we take our weird, erroneous sense of fairness and we start attributing it to God. We start telling God how he should behave to fulfill our sense of what is fair and what's not fair. And this parable just undermines all of that. Yeah, there's, it's, it's part of our culture, too. I mean, when we talk about... Uh, I mean, we tell the stories of people who work hard and they, they, they make it good. You know what I mean? They, they, they make a lot of money or they're successful in some way or that, you know, something good happens in their life. And we correlate those two things so closely together 
that it really bothers us. You know, when the the American story, right? It's you, you rags to riches if you work hard enough, and you know th- that sort of thing. And in some general way, you know that that story makes sense. But there's there's a bigger context of how do, how did the good things in our life get doled out? It's not strictly by how hard did you work and did you deserve it. Um, we 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 tell a different story than than the you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of thing. All right. This is a really good conversation, but we need to move on to the M in the comma method. Sometimes the first M is message. Sometimes it's meditation. We're going to go with message first today. Uh, As we already discussed the way that parables function, they tell us something about God the Father or something about the kingdom of heaven. In this parable, we get a little bit of both. We are encountering a God that is generous. So this parable is describing that God is just and God is generous, but he is not fair the way that humans like to define fairness. And so we have to grapple with that. The other thing we see is people getting invited in at different times of the day. And so I don't remember if it is in the Gospel of Matthew or it's in another gospel, but uh, you remember when the disciples asked Jesus why he teaches in parables? And his basic answer is uh, kind of a twofold function. For those that really want to understand, they're going to be able to understand. Uh, But for those who really don't want to know, these parables will conceal the truth from them. And so I think one of the undercurrents going on in this parable is Jesus, with the people getting invited at different times of the day, for, for a Jewish person that really wants to really know God and really understand the kingdom of God, this would have been hard for them to hear, that just because you are Jewish and the Jewish people have been part of God's story since the beginning, doesn't necessarily mean that they are somehow better than those who are invited into God's story later. And that might have been a hard thing to hear, but if they genuinely wanted to know, this parable would have led them to that kind of truth. All right, so we have a generous and just God in this parable, and for for the message, we've I've already I've already said it. We have a God who is just and generous, but not fair the way that we always want to define fair. So we're going to move on to meditation, and so for our meditation, I want to use some questions that are here at the end of the parable, and a reminder that meditation is just prayerful thinking. You're asking God to speak to you as you ponder something. And during the podcast, we give you 45 seconds to do that. And so here are the questions at the end of the parable. This is God, think of this as God asking you this, these two questions. Don't I have the right to do what I want? Are you envious because I'm generous? Think about that for 45 seconds.
All right, and for the application, we're gonna we're gonna go around the table here as we always do. But I want to get to the application by asking this question, guys: Why would anybody be envious that God is generous? Well, to answer that question, you you kind of ask have to ask another one, which is: Have you have you ever encountered someone that did something that made you? angry. You know, there, there's this sense of you You look at your own life, and in an area especially where you feel like you've done the right thing, and you see someone else, and they've wronged you, or wronged someone you care about, or they, they've just been irresponsible, or whatever, and it, it's the sort of thing that you look at someone, and you say, oh, come on. And, and then God's good to them. Um, you might feel like, well, I don't care if God's generous to somebody, but then when you actually encounter a particular person that you say, Oh, hang on a second. They they kind of need to get you know uh, they they need to get a, a little bit of a, you know payback for what they've done. They need to they need to experience the consequences, and then they're they're shown grace. It it gets under your skin sometimes, you know. Yeah, we want we always want God to be generous and forgiving to us, but we want other people to get their comeuppance. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think of the story that Eric that you were talking about with your you know your kid saying if I mow the lawn will I get fifteen dollars <laughs> and then another kid comes and just asks for it and they're like but I seriously you know it's that you know I I should then I shouldn't have had to, had to do what I just did you know what I mean like I did the work I did what was right they got it for free like they didn't have to do anything it's yeah it's tough God's generosity undermines at just about every place our sense of fairness, especially when someone else's sin has negatively affected our lives, right? If, someone, mm-hmm. if someone's sin has brought pain or hurt to my life, I want them to pay for that. But when, when I sin, I want God's grace and forgiveness. And we just need to, this is one of those things that people don't like to say a lot out loud. So we'll just say it for you, everybody out there. <laughs> this is a fundamental choice of the Christian life. Bitterness versus forgiveness. In your heart, if you harbor hatred or you really want God to smite somebody, to judge them, that's God's place, not ours. Our place is to forgive and to celebrate a generous and loving God. So this is, you know, so for the, applica- for the application today, uh, that question that seems counterintuitive is the right question. Are we envious because God is generous? The truth is, I'm all about God being generous and forgiving with me, but not always with other people. Yeah, I think one thing that helps me, especially when reading this parable, is sometimes when you're reading, you identify with a particular character, and you say, oh, that's me. I, that's my. That's who, you know, Jesus is talking to me as this person. Well, in this parable, it is really natural to think of yourself as the person who worked the whole day. You see how hard you work, you see the good things you've done, and you feel like, well, I'm, I'm that person, I deserve this, you know? And obviously Jesus is aiming at the person who sees himself that way. But I think the shift comes when you realize the reality is pretty much all of us are that, that last person, right, that, that came in, and whatever good we've done, it's like in comparison to what we really deserve and, and, the, and, and what we've really earned, uh, we, we are getting way more than we deserve. And so rather than being the person who's saying, God, why, why are you only giving me this fair payment? We should be the the person at the, the the you know the end of the day saying, "Why are you giving me so much?" You know, and that that changes your heart towards the other person too, because you realize maybe not in this particular situation, but in lots of other situations, I'm the person who came in at the end of the day. Do you guys remember the Christian band Newsboys? 
They have they have they have lyrics. <laughs> yes. They have lyrics. Don't laugh at me, Clayton. This is gonna make sense. Uh, they have some lyrics in a song that say, "When you get what you don't deserve, it's a real good thing, and when you don't get what you deserve, it's a real good thing." I actually remember that song. <laughs> Fairness is a fantasy. God is just and generous and good and forgiving. So we're at application. How do you put this into action? And to to land the plane today, uh, I want to talk to a special group of you out there listening. Uh, and it is chances are, if you're in this group, as we have been having this conversation, you have been becoming more and more unsettled in your own mind, heart, and spirit. You are harboring anger and hate and bitterness towards someone, and you are wishing them harm. You are wishing that their life would unravel. You're wishing that things would go poorly for them. You're wishing that God would judge them. And so for our application today, uh, I think it'd be good for us to remember and maybe get on our knees before God and say, God, there's something wrong with my heart. I, I want you to be good and forgiving to me but I don't always want you to be good and forgiving to others, and I repent of that, and I want you to start changing me from the inside out because bitterness will destroy us from the inside out, and, and Jesus shows us a better way. Nikki? Well, that is a very powerful application. Friends, uh, we hope that uh, you will go into your week and maybe just right now in this moment take the time to consider what Eric is saying and uh, take this app, this take this uh, this conversation, apply it to your life. Uh, we hope that you join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. And if you're a Twitter fan, you can find us there as well to get additional Bible Savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.